Good evening. We are in the book of Romans, chapter 11, the second half of chapter 11, beginning with verse 22. Thank you to those who are joining by Facebook Live, uh, those who listen to the podcast a little later. And thank you to all those that I'm thankful for the ability to just get the Word of God out for us to grow and study together. So that's exciting. We are in a series of lessons called Back to the Basics. Last week we began talking about Israel and how they had rejected God and that opened up an opportunity for the Gentiles. Gentiles is anybody who is not a Jew. Uh, that's the Greeks, that's you know all of those uh, different Asian countries and Europe and all of those, you know, were all of those different countries uh, were all considered Gentiles uh, from a biblical standpoint. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 22. We'll read 22 through 24. It's kind of continuing along this theme, talking about Israel, their rejection, how God cut them off but yet grafted in Gentiles, but now we're going to look that had a purpose and a plan and that if Israel will believe, then they can be grafted back in. Now let's look at this. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. God is good. All the time. All the time, that's right. And all the time. So we like to talk about God's goodness but how many knows that God also is a God of justice? He's a God of judgment. All of those characteristics are a part of God's characters. Paul's saying, let's look at the goodness of God, but also the severity or the judgment of God, uh, because he's just. That means he judges rightly. God is not one-dimensional. In our modern day, we are guilty of making God, only a God of love. And he is. He is a God of love. The scripture tells us that God is love, but that is, that is not the only attribute of God. Uh, I'm not trying to diminish his love in saying that because it's powerful, it's amazing, it's big, 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 more than we could imagine. Uh, but he is also a God who judges rightly because he would not be God if he allowed everything and anything. He is a just God. So he is a God of goodness and severity. On those who fell, in other words, who fell away from God, severity, but toward you, he's talking now to the Gentiles, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Now, how many knows that that is a conditional clause? Uh, not to get too analytical, but uh, that's an if-then type of statement. If you do this, then God will continue to bless you or God will continue to allow you to continue in his goodness. Not saying that you have to work to be saved. That's not what it's saying at all. And we're going to discuss that a little bit more as we go on. So I need to continue. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also, talking about the Jews, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, 
which is wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, in other words, speaking of the Jewish people, who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? You know, that just kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, if you take a branch that is natural to a tree, uh, a particular type of branch, and you graft it in, it's going to take better, it's going to take hold better uh, than something that is not naturally a part of that tree. So the Lord's saying, Israel has an opportunity, even though they've rejected God, Israel has an op opportunity to come back to God, and God will graft them right back in. Matter of fact, that's actually God's ultimate plan. He didn't leave the Jews. He simply allowed them to go in their own way in order that the Gentiles would have an opportunity. So as we look at that statement, consider the goodness and severity of God. It's not about our salvation, but it's about continuing in God's grace and his goodness to us. It's about a relationship. It's not you be good and you'll continue in my goodness. It's you have a relationship with me and you'll continue in my goodness is what he's speaking to Gentiles. As we look at John 15, it's about abiding. If you abide in the Lord, that means you're not flighting. That means you're in a relationship. Uh, that means you're not here one time and gone the next time, but you're in a relationship with the Lord. Uh, it's not much of a relationship in the natural. If you're at home with your wife one day and then gone somewhere else the next day with somebody else. Uh, so this is a, a principle of abiding in that relationship with God, that we are faithful to him. We know he's faithful to us, uh, but we're faithful to him. We talked about that uh, conditional clause, if you continue in his goodness. In other words, we need to, to persevere in our relationship with the Lord. When we mention grace, it sounds like uh, to some people that we don't have to do anything. But that's not what the word backs up. That we're supposed to persevere in, a, in that relationship with God. In the natural, if you have a relationship with your spouse... You don't quit or give up or walk away with every bump in the road. The same true with the Lord. You persevere. In our age of uh, extreme grace, preaching, cheap grace, some people call it, there isn't much said about persevering with the Lord. Just staying in there, keeping in that relationship. And that's a part of our walk of Christianity is staying faithful to the Lord, staying in his word, staying in the relationship, praying, uh, reading our Bible, coming to church is a part of that. The Bible actually supports that, uh, that we uh, come to church, that we be in fellowship with others. And it even says, hey, it's even so much more as you see the day approaching. How many think that day's approaching, right? Uh, so you need to be in the house of God. That's a part of persevering. You know, God is not going to bless or allow someone to stay in his goodness if they are living a life contrary or in apostasy towards him. Not really just saying they're a Christian, but not really believing and living that way. 
God's able to grant in Israel again. That means that even when you mess up, and how many haven't, Israel was able to be cut off from that relationship with the Lord, or at least not all of them. We know that this is a, a remnant. There was a remnant that uh, stayed faithful to God of Israelites, but by and large, most of them uh, rejected God. And if God can grant them back in, that means he has patience with us as well, right? Because his character doesn't change. And that God uh, won't abandon us if, uh, I'm so thankful for that, if we just mess up, right? Uh, but it will come back to him uh, and continue in that relationship. Why is Paul talking about this to the Gentiles? The reason why is because some of the Gentiles got big-headed. Now, none of us ever do that. None of us ever uh, live in pride and uh, live uh, that we're better than somebody else, but he's letting them know that Israel still can come back because some of the, of the Gentiles had given up on Israel, said it was too late for them. They can't come back. They've rejected God. They've done too much. I'm glad that they hadn't done too much, right? Because that means I could do too much uh, and walk away from the Lord. So uh, they rejected him. And so Paul's saying, be careful. Don't have that type of pride because Israel will be grafted in. Now, this is the age of the Gentiles. God is specifically, not that he isn't dealing at all with Israel, but he is specifically dealing with the Gentiles in our day. When the rapture and the tribulation begins, then he will turn his face back toward Israel and will begin to deal with them again. And they will turn to God. They will turn back to him. All right, let's read Romans 11, 25 through 27. And this is saying that eventually Israel will be restored. Now, this does not mean that every Israelite will be spiritually saved. What it does mean, however, is that Israel as a nation and as a whole will turn back uh, to God and as a nation they will be restored. How many knows that God deals with individuals, but he also deals with nations? If you look across uh, the Bible, you'll see that God deals with nations. There are places in the Bible where God pronounces judgment on certain nations or blessings upon other nations. And so that's a continuing work of God. It wasn't just Old Testament. It's New Testament as well. Uh, so there, there's lots of woes because these cities and these places have not accepted him in his earthly uh, ministry. So uh, God deals with uh, nations throughout the scripture. So let's read verses 25 through 27. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Be careful how you read this. Uh, Paul is saying that I don't want you to be ignorant. There's a mystery. That mystery is that God allowed, but not caused, Israel to be blind in part. That means some of Israel, but not all. There was a remnant who stayed faithful to God. Uh, some of Israel 
was bl were blinded uh, so that there was an opportunity for Gentiles. So let's read the next part of it. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer, deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So uh, here it's saying that I'm going to deal again uh, with Israel. Uh, that there's going to be a deliverance that comes to them. Uh, that there's going to be a work and a plan that God has for Israel. God did not ever give up totally on Israel. Never has, he never will. Just allow that to happen in part so that we as Gentiles uh, might have an opportunity. As a matter of fact, it's part of God's purpose and his plan that we as Gentiles uh, could come into a full a fullness of knowing the Lord. So all, it says all of Israel will be saved. How do we know that that's not a spirit, that doesn't mean that every person in Israel will be spiritually saved. If you look at Romans eleven twenty five, it says that Israel has been allowed to be spiritually blind. Shouldn't regard this as saying that Israel is going to be spiritually saved because if you're spiritually blind, you can't be spiritually saved, right? Uh, so this has to do with that plan of God to deal with Israel as a nation, but yet he will also draw them spiritually as well. But not every, just like every Gentile does not get saved, every Jew will not be spiritually saved as well. There's a distinct, distinction between the national ethnic Israel versus the spiritual Israel uh, as we look at that. So it's necessary for Israel to return to the Lord. Because that's God's full plan. If God stopped in the middle, then he wouldn't have completed his full plan. How many knows that God finishes what he starts, right? Uh, so that is a part of what God does is that he's dealing now, he will in the future deal with Israel as a whole or as in, in mass. Jesus won't return again. Now, I'm not talking about the rapture, I'm talking about during the millennium. He won't return until he has put his focus upon Israel and saved them. How many knows that Israel will be saved from the Antichrist as a nation? He will not obliterate Israel. God will save them. The deliverer, it says, will come out of Zion. In other words, what is Zion? That's that holy city of God that's a reference to Israel as a nation. So God has a redeeming work with Israel, and he's not going to quit until he's done. Let's read verses 28 and 29. So this is going to talk about God's concern and his love for Israel. Concerning the gospel... They are enemies for your sake. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the Gentiles, and he's saying, when it comes to do with Israel, right now, they're enemies for your sake. They're enemies of the gospel. They haven't believed it. They haven't bought into it. They have not received Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They're considered enemies of the cross at this point. Now, God's going to deal with them, but that's what he's saying. But concerning the election, which we don't talk about much, but 
Israel is still God's elect people, still God's chosen people, and that he still loves Israel. Here's a scripture that I believe the way we take it is true, but it's kind of a little out of context. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What is this talking about? In context, it is talking about that Israel can't do anything to reverse God's call upon them as the chosen people. In other words, they're still God's irrevocable chosen people. I'm not saying we're totally wrong in this, but many times we will say of people who have calls on their life that that's irrevocable. And maybe that's a part of the meaning, but really this is talking about Israel in particular. I do believe that God, if he ever places a call on your life, that that call stays there. Even sometimes when we walk away from that call, that there's still that pull of the Lord upon our life to fulfill that call. But it's a little out of context in the way sometimes that that's preached, is all I'm saying. He's saying Israel can't walk away from uh, that chosen or elect status that I have put them in. Nice. Individuals can, the but nation cannot. Yes. Exactly. Not all, it, just like all Gentiles don't come. Uh, not all individual Israelites will come, but as a whole, Israel as a nation, as an ethnic group, cannot uh, walk away from God's calling and his plan. They are chosen as a nation. All, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes. But if they're not calling on him, uh, how are you going to be saved? It's a promise that uh, he will always keep. The Lord pronounces, there's a place in the New Testament where he pronounces the blessing of Abraham over us as the church and as God's people. And that's a powerful covenant with Abraham because he says, in blessing you, I'm going to bless you. In other words, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to bless you. How many knows that the Jews are a blessed people? Uh, you don't come against God's people. It is a covenant that God he pronounces that blessing even upon us if we're saved according to his fullness. All right, let's read verses 30 and through 32. So how many knows sometimes you need to know where you came from? Because he's talking about pride before this. Don't be too prideful as a Gentile saying, oh, God gave up on Israel. Now we're, we're it. We're the, we're the main ones. We're, we're always going to. So now he's telling the Gentiles, uh, don't forget where you came from. That God you know, has made this designation of the Jewish people as his own. So it says, for as you were once obedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, who was disobedient was Israel as a whole. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. So the Gentiles were Christians 
were once in disobedience, yet they come to know the mercy of God. And that opportunity came because of Israel's disobedience, which is interesting to see, is that when one group disobeyed, the other was allowed an opportunity to come to know uh, the Lord. And we obtained mercy because they were disobedient. Well, I wouldn't say because, but we obtained the opportunity to be saved and to have God's mercy because of their disobedience. The good news is that God, his ultimate plan is to offer this mercy to every person. Jew, Gentile, male, female, as the Bible says, there's, there's no difference. When we're in Christ, we're in Christ. The Lord doesn't look down upon us and say, well, you're, you're not a Jew and I won't deal with you. He looks at us and he says, hey, I don't see, you know, I, you're, you're in my plan. You're a part of the ultimate big plan of God to have mercy on, on mankind. All right, let's look at verses 33 through 36. Paul is expounding upon this revelation. He is saying, hey, you need to be excited because of that the Jews rejected God because now you as a Gentile have had the opportunity to know the Lord. And then he's saying, but if the Israelites come back, then God will grab them in two. And he just stops for a phrase break. I don't know what else to say. Uh, but at the end of this chapter, he stops for a praise break and is excited about the whole plan of God. That God's plan of salvation doesn't just include the Gentile, but it includes the Israelites, uh, his chosen people. It includes all tribe, was the Bible say, every tongue, every nation. And so Paul takes this praise break, and let's just read it. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. In other words, God had all of this planned out from the very beginning. And think about the wisdom and the riches, richness of God who planned all of this out. Paul says that some of this was a mystery at some point, but God had it all planned out. Uh, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. We don't always know what God's doing. Sometimes God is doing things and we just don't understand exactly what he's doing, how he's working. But I can promise you this. God is always about a plan of salvation for mankind. He has been from the beginning. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned and come short, God comes down in the garden and he's saying, what's he saying? Adam, where are you? He wants this relationship restored and he's continued to work that plan of restoration of this relationship between God and man. And we don't always understand how he's doing it. Historically, mankind did not always understand how God was working. But he was, aren't you glad? For who has known the mind of the Lord? God ever confuse you? He had me before. God, why did you do it like that instead of like this? I thought this was a pretty good plan. How many knows that we would make a royal mess of things if we were in charge? But God is, right? Or who has become his counselor? I've tried to counsel God. He doesn't know well. <laughs> Have you not? Well, God, if you'll just do this, then, then this will work everything all out. 
I had a good plan for you, God, but you just didn't listen. Well, I've never had that work out for me very well. God's plans are higher than ours. His mind is greater than ours. His ways are uh, amazing. Uh, and so Paul, that's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, man, God had it all planned out. God had an awesome plan. It's going to include uh, all of mankind, Jew and Gentile, and he's excited about what God's doing. And we didn't really know that much about what God was doing, uh, but we uh, he's excited about it. Who has first given to him that shall be repaid to him for of him and through him and to him are all things. Now that's a deep statement. We could go <laughs> into this uh, for a long time. Of him and through him and to him are all things. In other words, everything's about the Lord. If, if something happens in our favor, it come from him. It came through him. It was because he was to receive the glory. I'm going to be preaching a very familiar portion of scripture where Lazarus is raised from the dead. And it's all for the glory of God. It's to his glory. And we many times take everything else out of that story and it is an exciting story, but do we realize it's because all of that happened that Christ would receive the glory. The glory goes to him. Not to us, but to him. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Way beyond our imagination and the goodness of it is better than we could have ever imagined. Because it's God. So when he does that, yeah, Paul is just, uh, he's having a praise, a spontaneous praise break. Have you ever done that? I want to challenge you to do that. Just be driving down the road, man, God, you are good to me. And it, it shouldn't take you long, but find something to praise the Lord about. I mean, seriously. Just drive, thank you, Lord, I got a car to drive in. I don't have to walk in this cold. Thank you, Lord, I had the money to put gas in this truck. Woo, praise the Lord. That's a blessing, amen. <laughs> Especially in this day. Thank you, Lord, I had the ability to get up into this truck and to drive. If we would really think about what God has done for us, I know we have bad days, but overall, God has been good to us. And sometimes the more blessed we are, it feels like the more unappreciative sometimes that we get if we don't watch. You know, I'll just tell on myself, and I know I've told this story before, but I was at Sylvania working one day, and I just got mad as fire at my boss. And uh, he didn't treat me right, and it wasn't good, and wasn't fair. Have you been, have you been there before? Wasn't right. Should have been this way. Instead, it was that way. And I was so mad that I just left the vehicle at work. I was, I was mad. I mean, I'm talking about mad then. And I needed to blow off some steam. And I needed to walk. And I sure didn't need to get in the car. Because I was not going to show forth the love of Jesus in the car either. And I took off walking. 
and it was about three, four miles home, and you can blow off a lot of steam in three or four miles walking, especially when you're mad. And for about the first mile and a half of that three mile trek, I was mad, mad, mad. And then something came to me. Why don't you praise me for what I've already done for you? Wow. Yeah, that hurt me too. And I couldn't think of anything else at first other than thank the Lord that I have the physical ability to walk this far. And then I'd walk a little bit and I'd say, thank you, Lord. I've got the breath to be able to walk this far. Well, some people don't. This was a hard one. Thank you, Lord, that I have a job. You know I'm mad at the people at work. Thank you, I got a job. By the time I got home, I was thankful and blessed and in a totally different attitude. So what's the lesson? Sometimes we just need to have a spontaneous praise break. And just praise the Lord. You don't have to be something big. You don't have to be a miracle. But praise Him. Of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. It's all about Him. I say that because there is power in praising the Lord. Alright, let's look at uh, question one. Uh, reference to verse 22. What two things does Paul ask us to consider about God? Goodness and severity. Goodness and his severity. Uh, same verse. What is the conditional clause in verse 22? If you continue in his goodness, then you walk in his goodness. Why was Israel cut off to begin with? Of the unbelief. Question 4, verse 23. What is the good news for Israel? According to verse 23. God can grab them back in if they don't continue in unbelief. You can't continue in unbelief and be tied in with the Lord. Belief is essential. Those that come to the Lord have to come in through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. We're saved by grace through faith. That's the entry. That's the conduit uh, that connects us with the Lord. Verse 25, according to verse 25, what was God's purpose in allowing blindness in part to come upon Israel? So that there would be an opportunity for the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. We live in the age of the Gentiles. The age of grace is another way to say that. Another description of the age that we live in. Describe what the phrase the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable means in context and in application. Number one, God hasn't given up on the nation of Israel or the ethnic group of Israelites. Number two, because of that, it tells us of God's character and means that he will not give up on us as well. That's the application for us. Question seven, verses 33 through 36. Describe Paul's mindset in these last verses. It's praise. It's spontaneous outbreak of praise. 
Uh, you can add to that whatever you want to in consideration of God's amazing plan that his ways are different and higher than ours, all of that. And then fill in the blank for verse 36, for of him and through him and 